Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us. John, what is your article this week? Mordelistena Scuderiana. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's uh, go ahead and assume that I won't have to spell it because nobody <laughs> else is going to go to this because this is a one-sentence article about a beetle, interestingly ah, enough, in the Mordelistina genus that is in the Mordelidae family. Hmm. It was described by, as classic biologists go do, uh, just, just, you know, go by last names only, Wickham in 1915. <laughs> Good old Wickham. Uh, Wickham. Okay, well... That's that's my whole article. <laughs> There's links. There's links to kingdoms, phylums, classes, orders, families, genius, and species, but don't get excited because we can't go to any of those things as concepts. We can only go to the uh, uh, ones that they pertain to, respectively. Animalia, Anthropoda, Insecta, Coleoptera, Mordelidae, and Mordelistina, which, I mean... Uh, of all of those, um, you know, I, I mean, it's better than a moth. That's true. We we haven't really done too many beetles. <laughs> that's true. So that's something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm much so more interested in what you have. <laughs> Hopefully, it's something much more interesting than what I have. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It's called Pelagia of Tinos. Is that uh, also a beetle? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> It is a Christian saint credited with receiving visions of the Virgin Mary, which directed her to the lost icon of Our Lady of Tinos in 1822, shortly after the establishment of modern Greece. Supposed to be the supposed to be the work of Luke the Apostle, the icon has become the major site of, for Christian pilgrimage in Greece, and that is the entire article. You would think that something. Wait, did you say it was in 1822? Yes. And she had a vision? Yes. And people were like, yep. That sounds like one of the more recent, notable, like, vision havings. Yeah. That, like, people actually, like, found some sort of artifact. Like, that seems pretty recent for a Christian artifact mm. finding. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the last hundred, couple hundred years... What kind of uh, what kind of Christianity are we talking here? Are we talking Greek Orthodox or? What? Uh, I say? would assume Greek Orthodox. It doesn't say specifically. Um, hmm. Could be maybe Catholic. Hmm. 
Um, I mean, but, you say it was the St. Louis. Oh, thing, right? wait, wait. Greek saints of the Eastern Orthodox Church is under the category, so I guess that is the official thing here. Well, that, you know, to me, that sounds a little more interesting than, um... Beatles? Than Beatles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it was a, kind of a low bar, but... Yeah. Um, okay, what's this, uh, what's this thing? P-E-L-A-G-I-A of... Tin OS. Oh yeah, the Tin OS. It's a good OS. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess from here, what we really need to do is look at. Oh, so Icon and Our Lady of Tinos are not the same. No, Icon is Icon. Our Lady of Tinos is Our Lady of Tinos. I thought there would be a link to the Icon of Our Lady of Tinos. So what is Our Lady of Tinos then? Hmm. Would, would that be like a? Because usually their churches are named Our Lady of Blank. Right. But would it be a church or would it be something else? Tinos must be. The, I mean, I don't Tinos know is what the Tinos. place. I, it must be a place. Because yeah. I mean, we have Pelagia. Oh yeah, there is distinguished a link. as Pelagia of Tinos. Or wait, there's so of Tinos must mean Tinos is the place. There that we're is talking a about. category at the bottom, Tinos. Okay. Um. Yeah, Tinos is a place. Hmm. So. Well, that's an option. Another thing that interests me. Is that 1822 Greek War of Independence is how they gained their establishment. If you look at the establishment link and you hover over it, it's the uh, Greek War of Independence. Hmm. I was unaware that Greece at that point in history was conquered. Yeah. <laughs> who was? Who would it have been conquered by in 1822? The French? Because like, was Napoleon? Doing yeah, his thing? Maybe, yeah, maybe that was the time that France was kind of going on an uncharacteristic rampage. Mm-hmm. Egalité, liberté, <laughs> and taking over, as they were. Hmm. Well. There's other Saints Pelagia. <laughs> other Saints Pelagia. <laughs> There's Pelagia, it, it leads to Pelagia disambiguation. Uh. Well. Is Pelagia like just another word for saint? Like maybe it's like a specific kind of saint. Maybe it's or, the kind of saint that gets visions. Or is Pelagia like a substitution for Our Lady? Like is it like a kind of language thing? Pelagia might be the Lady of Tinos. Because which directed her to the lost icon, Our Lady of Tinos, hmm. which would make sense. So, Pel- uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like Pelagia would mean some kind of saint, because you have, like, yes. saint of whatever. Right, 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 right. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about Our Lady of Tinos. Um, yeah, because, I mean, one way or the other, that... Just kind of just to figure, just to out, figure what the, out what the icon is for one thing. What, yeah. what does that mean? The lost icon? Yeah. In Greece, <laughs> there's stuff that's lost in yeah, 1822. This is very, very like that ambiguous. Right. Like it doesn't 
really give a lot of details. It's just like, ah, the lost icon of Our Lady of Tinos. Yeah, honestly, like, you know what? We can find a way back to the Greek uh, uh, war. We'll, we'll be in whatever. Greece for a while, I'm we'll sure. We'll be in Greece, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's Our Lady of Tinos, let's flush out some details here a little more. Because right yeah, now it's... like, they really omitted a lot here. Maybe there's even a better story about this in this article. Nope. I don't think so, anyway. <laughs> well, Our Lady of Tinos... The all-holy bringer of good news. Yes. For she of great grace is the major Marian shrine in Greece. It is located in the town of Tinos, on the island of Tinos. In the province of Tinos. <laughs> in the county of Tinos. In the state of Tinos. In the country of Tinos. <laughs> Tinos, Tinos, Tinos. Tinos, Tinos. Tinos. <laughs> they weren't very creative. But, you know, <laughs> it got the job done. It is a definitive place. You can't forget it. It's a pretty cool looking once. building. Yeah. That's for sure. Got a real epic staircase going mm -hmm. up to it. Um, kind of a really cool compound going on here. Yeah. Well, so, the. It, well, it says the complex is built around a miraculous icon. Which but it doesn't actually doesn't show us. the icon or anything. Um, what? what is the icon? That is the question. Here. And if you hover over icon, it still says icon. And it just the takes you to for icon. icon is not going to tell you. Yeah, that's not going to help. So, uh, the yeah, the complex is built around a miraculous icon. I guess maybe it was just like something that looks like the Virgin Mary like when people see like the Mary in like the toast yeah mm -hmm. like maybe that's ki the kind of thing like maybe they I'm saw guessing. it in like a on like a rock or something like that and then they built Wait. a whole place around it or something <laughs> I don't know that would be so weird <laughs> I um, mean I guess it's really kind of like stupid to say that it's so weird. Like religious traditions in general are always kind of yeah. Like, there's there, there, there's a <laughs> lot of like stuff that you kind of had to be there for. I right. Think, more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> the, like the more you delve into it, you're like, that's kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> and then like about hundreds of years ago, I'm sure it made oh yeah some sense to someone. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty epic complex. It wouldn't be for nothing. To, they would like yeah. deliberately build this whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know. So, uh, according to tradition, it was found after the Virgin Mary appeared to the nun Pelagia. So, I guess the Pelagia is the name of the... Which is weird that person. there are other ones. That there's other saints. I guess Pelagia, maybe there, of all things. Yeah, there's a notable Pelagias in the world. Have you heard know. the tragedy of Darth Pelagius? <laughs> <laughs> they found so many things that death didn't kill a single one of them. <laughs> they just kept coming back over and over. Um, but yeah, it was revealed to her the place where the icon was buried. So this place, okay. this thing was buried. Um, the icon was widely believed to be the source of numerous miracles. It is by now almost completely encased in silver, gold, and jewels and is completely refer commonly referred to as the Megalocare, or She of Great Grace, or simply the Caretess, Her Grace. 
By extension, the church is often called the same and is considered a protectress of seafarers and healer of the infirm. Okay, now, so so I, this okay. is a church. Right. So, but okay. what I don't understand is like, it is by now almost completely encased in silver, gold, and jewels. Like, like <laughs> is that just a thing that happens to icons then? They just like chill out and then like, people are like, right, here, let me, let me just pour this. some molten silver on you. Like, <laughs> what? What is going on? Who went to this place? What did they dig up? And why are people showing up with vats of molten metal to pour over it? I, I don't yeah. <laughs> understand. I, I mean, like, I get it. Okay, so it was religious. Like, it was a, a thing. I don't know. Yeah. It was a little, was it like a little, like, rock, rock that looked like a cross that was buried underground that, like, she's, like, found it? And then, or, what what could it have been that would have been, like, enough of, symbolic enough to be, like, oh, this is definitely significant. Gonna uh, build a church around it. <laughs> you know what? Screw building the church. Let's flatten out this entire plateau by the sea. Let's have a steeple. Let's have a hospital. Let's have a whole like fortress of 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 you know rocks and stucco and uh, uh, church stuff like all over the place. Like something had to really be like pretty cool about this thing to begin with. Seriously. And then they 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 topped the Sunday that they just found with all these other embellishments so now it's just like a big treasure pile sitting in the middle of a church somewhere is that how do you even know the I icons there is it, it's buried again or at least it only was buried it like, was buried it was unearthed and it was buried in precious stuff and now it's sitting there encased in silver golden jewels hmm. maybe that's a bad translation or something we, it could be It'd be nice if they at least showed a picture of the icon here. Is that maybe against the rules? Maybe. Is that the whole point? Or maybe they're just like really trying to keep the tourism <laughs> value up, so... <laughs> well, hold on. Hey, if you want to see this thing, you gotta come out. What does a Google image search do? I looked up, but it seems... I don't know, it just looks kind of like a tablet to me. It is indeed a tablet. It looks like a tablet with a bunch of Mardi Gras beads on it. Like, I don't see anything particularly special about it, other than the encasement in gold, silver, and jewels. And I don't really see any sort of symbolism on it. It just looks like a random yeah, bunch it, of There's no picture jewels. on that thing. Okay, so one of those things is a picture frame, and there's another picture frame inside that picture frame. Then inside that picture frame, I think there might even be a third picture frame <laughs> before you finally get down to the actual icon, which is... <sighs> is it like one of those 3D puzzles? Like one of those 3D eye things? Am I supposed to like zoom in on it and then like pull gradually back to like, and like be like cross-eyed? Or what, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, I'm not sure. This is uh, oh, kind of odd. Yeah, a little bit. Like, and then there, it's like the inception of icons. There is like a weird, I guess, tradition because like the other thing that I see in this Google Image Church is like pictures of people crawling around <laughs> on the on the ground. Like that's a frequent thing. Like there are people just consistently crawling around on the ground here for some reason <laughs> out on the plaza. And there's even a statue of some lady. Crawling around on the ground. 
<laughs> well, I guess it's Pelagia. I, I don't know. Um, but then, what is this? There's a there's a lady by like a, a ship that's crawling around on the ground. For some reason, this is like their thing. They they crawl around on the ground. That's the 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 tradition, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. I. And you're telling me you just found this thing with like a bunch of like jewels and stuff and set into it. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. This flat, uh, perfectly <laughs> shaped rock that fits inside the picture frame. Okay. All, all right. I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, uh, a, it's really weird, <laughs> is all I'm saying. It looks like, like a collage. It looks like some, like, child made a collage, and the church was like, oh, uh, great, <laughs> uh, miracle, and then, you know, some really important figures in that whole interaction died, and then everybody just blew away out of proportion from there. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's literally nothing special about it, it's just a bunch of jewels dumped into it gold like, and silver. It like, looks like a stone slab with several earrings and maybe one or two broken pearl necklaces strung <laughs> over top of it. And then they just set yeah. that in several picture frames. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's like inside of a gold picture frame, inside of a silver picture frame, inside of a flower picture frame. I guess that's what those are. It's really kind of hard to tell. And then the other thing that's confusing is that another image comes up of a definitively different picture where you actually like see oh, yeah. <laughs> Mary talking to Pelagia. And it's shaped similar to the icon, so one is drawn in to wonder, Yeah. oh, is that the icon? But no, I think that's a recreation of... Is that what it looked like, like originally, a, like a maybe? Picture or? I don't know. I don't... Is that, like, the first... Oh, look. Look, look, look. If you look at the, um... There's a picture, um, from nioris.com.gr. Yes. If you look at that one, look at the bottom, there's text. And one of those words says, Icon. E-I-K Omega N. Ah, uh, yes. So, this is definitely a picture of the icon in metal, which I think so, is what's underneath all that crap Okay, so <laughs> in that picture frame. Underneath, maybe, like, they had some kind of vague image that looked similar to... To this, maybe. Like, like they, they looked at it and they're like, oh, I see people and things. Right, yeah. And then... They just dumped a whole bunch of crap on it. <laughs> Which is such a weird... Like, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose? Is that is Wouldn't that not... you want to preserve the original Isn't the image point that of it, it looks really cool and you just kind of found it? <laughs> Isn't that, like, the faith-based miracle here? Like, what... I mean, well, maybe there's I'm a, a postage comment, stamp but... of it in Europe. Is the postage stamp similar to the one that we already looked at? It's... Yeah, it's the, uh... The actual picture, oh, yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really confusing to me that is that the actual icon? Because it looks like the icon is a picture of her being told where to find the icon. <laughs> it all seems like it, either strange... like Saint Mary's having like a hell of a time with this, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, who just like showing up, being like, "Hey, guess what? Want to find a picture of exactly this thing that we're doing right now happening? Go get it!" And like. 
Like that's like, like uh, Hey, do you want you want me to blow your mind? Go to this place, you'll Check find a tablet. Whoa. On it is a picture of this exact moment. What? <laughs> mind blown. Thanks, Mary. Gonna get on that. <laughs> now, I I don't I think that's gotta be it though, because like even there are even like little bracelets <laughs> on there uh, of this this icon, and they all seem to be along the line of uh, you know this lady's chilling out, and the Mary yeah. Mary's over there. It's pretty much pretty much it. Looks like okay, all right. So back to the uh, <clears throat> the you know the thing. The thing with the stuff. <laughs> uh, the icon was found on the very first days after the creation of the modern Greek state. Henceforth, Our Lady Tinos was declared the patron saint of the Greek nation. Hmm. Uh, the icon was at the time thought to be the handiwork of Saint Luke the Evangelist, a possibility that can neither be confirmed nor ruled out. And a nationwide fund collection was carried out for the building of a church to house it. The church, built in the Renaissance style, was inaugurated in 1830, and since then it constitutes the major Christian pilgrimage in Greece, equal to what is uh, Lourdes in France or Fatima in Portugal. The church receives a vast number of donations in silver and gold (laughs) votives each year, these are auctioned and used for charities. The church is officially dedicated to the Annunciation of the Virgin Mary. The major feast of the church, however, is on the 15th of August when the Dormition of the Virgin Mary is commemorated by the Greek Orthodox Church following the strong tradition of the Aegean Islands where the Dormitin, Dormition is grandly celebrated in mid-August as the principal summer feast. Okay, so it looks like this was a thing that was carved by somebody. So Saint Luke like maybe actual like sculpture kind of thing. Right. Saint Luke and made then it. And it was like I don't know if it was buried intentionally or if it just kind of got mm-hmm. lost. But then somebody found it and then it was that became like an icon thing. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense. Like somebody it was just like a work of art that somebody had made and then they found it and it was cool and they were like alright let's build a church around this thing because it's like a really cool thing that this came back to us after hundreds of years Yeah. and at the time that the uh, nation of Greece happened to be a nation again yeah I'm sure yeah they were probably very happy at the time Mm -hmm. that they became a nation again or whatever (laughs) modern nation they're regretting that now I bet (laughs) But now that we have some grounding into what this thing is, where it came from, why it's important, now we should look into how did Greece get here? <laughs> how, like literally, how did it? How did it show up? <laughs> so like modern Greek state, I guess. Yeah, modern. Seems like that's the only modern Greek state. Okay, well, this covers pretty much what I wanted to know. The history of modern Greece covers the history of Greece from the recognition of its autonomy from the Ottoman Empire by the great powers, Great Britain, France, and Russia, in 1828 after the Greek War of Independence. So, basically, Greece was in the Ottoman Empire, they went out of the Ottoman Empire. So, it was Turkey, not 
France. Right. It was going to be one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> it was a toss-up. Okay, so so the Byzantine Empire actually ruled most of the Greek-speaking world since late antiquity. Not sure exactly what that means, but... Well, maybe the Byzantine Empire kind of became the Ottoman Empire, because isn't... Oh, yeah. The Byzantine Empire is basically... What was left of the Roman Empire after Constantinople showed up mm. and moved yeah, everything from Rome over right, to Right, and he kind of ruined everything because he was like, hey, let's change the capital for no let's reason. Let's move the capital <laughs> thousands of miles away. Why? No reason. I mean, religion, I guess, but, like, I really could, you know, do God stuff here since, you know, we kind of killed Jesus over there, but ah, don't worry about that. Let's just go to Constantinople. It's warm there. It's nice. <laughs> It's warm here. We're on the... Just go. Just start walking. It's a long walk. Go. Imagine that. Imagine if somebody who only... Like, imagine if cars didn't exist. And somebody, like a president, rolled up and was like, I want to move Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. did exist in its current form. Yeah. What would that look... Like, would you just, like, disassemble giant granite brick buildings, brick by brick, put them into a cart, and have horses carry everything, like, disassemble? It would be like if... Abraham Lincoln was like, all right, you know what? I'm sick of living in Washington, D.C. We're moving it over to California. Like, yeah, it's a basic... It's like, uh, maybe that's not such a good idea. It's a crazy huge (laughs) shift. I mean, granted, it's mostly across the Mediterranean basin, but still. Yeah. So, uh, it experienced a decline as a result of Muslim, Arab, and Seljuk Turkish invasions... Wait. Seljuk Turkish. Wait, hold on. But I thought oh, yeah, for, that was the Ottomans. Right? I thought the Byzantines were the Ottomans. Well, maybe they became the Ottomans after the Turkish invaded them. That could be it. The Byzantines may have just been misplaced r- Italians <laughs> yeah. for some reason living in Turkey, well, and then the people who were the Ottomans <laughs> came in. Yeah. Maybe after this we'll have to look into the Byzantine Empire. Uh, and I see think what we might need some world <laughs> history lesson here. Uh, but it was fatally weakened by the sacking of Constantinople. Uh-huh. Okay, so sacking of Constantinople is a link, and that became my most interesting um, prospect here. Did they fire it? Did they fire Constantinople? <laughs> that's the only word, like, they couldn't have literally put it in a sack, although maybe that's how that's how Constantine got it there. Could be. Uh, but this was done by Latin Crusaders in 1204, and the establishment of Catholic Latin states on Greek soil and the struggles of the Orthodox Byzantine Greeks against them led to the emergence of a distant Greek national identity. The Byzantine Empire was restored by the Palaiologos dynasty in 1261. But it was a shadow of its former self, and constant civil wars and foreign attacks in the 14th century brought about its terminal decline. As a result, most of the most of Greece gradually became part of the Ottoman Empire in the late 14th and 15th century, culminating in the fall of Constantinople in 1453. Whoa, man! Constantinople lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. The conquest of the Duchy of Athens in 1458 and of the Despotate of the Moria in 1460. 
are all these things synonyms for fall? Because they are, <laughs> they are some really crazy like things that can happen to cities. Like I know cities can be raised or fallen, yeah. but are they duchy? The duchy. Can they dis dispotated? <laughs> Is that like what happens when like with, with Ireland? Was Ireland dispotated because they lost their potatoes that one time? It could be. <laughs> Is that what that means? <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. So Ottomans, Ottoman control was largely absent in the mountainous interior of Greece, and many people fled there, often becoming brigands. Otherwise, only the islands of the Aegean and a few coastal fortresses on the mainland under Venetian and Gionese rule remained free from Ottoman rule. But by the mid-16th century, the Ottomans had conquered most of them as well. Rhodes fell in 1522, Cyprus in 1571, and the Venetians retained Crete until 1670. At such time, I assume it fell also, but it doesn't say. The uh, Ionian Islands were only briefly ruled by the Ottomans and remained primarily under the rule of Venice. Uh, the first large-scale insurrection against Ottoman rule was the Orlov Revolt in the early 1770s, but it was wow. brutally repressed. So this is a long revolution. Man, they lasted a really yeah. long time. Fighting in this part of the world must have been tough. Like, all of these places that should not have lasted as long as they did lasted <laughs> for hundreds of years. Yeah, it'd be like if, uh, I don't know, like, I guess it would be like if the Indians suddenly, like, were like, hey, we're taking back America, like, today. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how long this was. Maybe that's how long it took to, like, work back. Maybe, like, practically speaking, that's, like, how down and out they were. Yeah. And, like, they had to reestablish, like, a real sense of self before they could really break free. Um, so, the same time, uh, however, also marks the start of the modern Greek Enlightenment, as Greeks who studied in Western Europe bought knowledge and ideas back to their homeland, and as Greek merchants and ship owners increased their wealth. As a result, especially in the aftermath of the French Revolution, liberal and nationalist ideas began to spread across the Greek lands. In 1821, the Greeks rose up against the Ottoman Empire. Initial successes were followed by infighting, which almost caused the Greek struggle to collapse. Nevertheless, the prolongation of the fight forced the great powers, Britain, Russia, and France namely, to recognize the claims of the Greek rebels to separate statehood, which was, I guess, enforced by the Treaty of London. And they interfered against the Ottomans at the Battle of Navarino. Greece was initially to be an autonomous state under Ottoman uh, suzerainty, but by 1832, in the Treaty of Constantinople, it was recognized as a fully independent kingdom. In the meantime, the Third National Assembly of the Greek insurgents called upon Ioannis Kapodistrius, a former foreign minister of Russia, er, of Russia to take over the governance of the fledgling state in 1827. Huh. So they got a Russian guy of Greek descent. Wow. Cool. So, yeah. They so there was, it took a while, but yeah. they... I uh, wonder what that Battle of Navarino is about, because it looks like that's that's when Britain and Russia and France were like, okay... That's enough yeah. out of you, Ireland. <laughs> this is this is this is when this is when the Greeks get to be a state. Yeah, like something happened at that battle. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they mean like contributing though. I don't know if they mean like soldiers or. Yeah, man, Greece really uh, fell down for a while. <laughs> 
I mean, completely they, they, unbeknownst they were like to me. I always thought they were like around. You know? Yeah, like they were so on top for a long time, and then they just got trounced by the Romans, Byzantines, and Byzantines, the Ottomans. Ottomans. <laughs> So the, really, I guess, I guess like, that's what happens in empires. They uh, take over. So if you look at the timeline of like modern history, we have like Greece all the way over here. No Greece. And then <laughs> Greece again. Now we have Greece again. Yeah. So really, Greece like has been significant, but they, they've not been around. <laughs> I mean, they've been around, but they've not been, you know, legally around. Right. Yeah, you've got like BC Greece. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like Roman Greece. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got Byzantine Greece. And you've got Ottoman Greece. Then you've got like America starting to become a thing. And then Greece is like, you know what? We're going to be a thing too. <laughs> and then they decide to be a thing, only to be entirely subjugated to money. <laughs> so that's uh, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, good to know. Oh, wow. Uh, if you go down to the picture of King George I of Hellenus, uh, kind of looks like J.K. Simmons. Wait, reign of King George I? Is that like a King George I of Greece? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. All right. Or, not of, not wait, of wait, 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 wait. At the urging of Britain and King George. That's why I'm confused. Greek adopted I know... the much more democratic Greek constitution of 1864. They even adopted their um... own King George. <laughs> oh, they they had a uh, another skirmish with Tur- Turkey in Wait, really? uh, a, uh, around World War One era, like kind of I guess between World Wars. Yeah, so between World Wars they had another. Uh, falling out with Turkey. <laughs> hmm. I guess maybe Turkey was upset about losing the Ottoman Empire. Um, but with <laughs> the end of the war in November 1918, the moribund Ottoman Empire was ready to be carved up among the victors, and Greece now expected the Allies to deliver on their promises. Okay, so... Wait, was the Ottoman Empire literally around until the end of World War One? That's right. And then it got yep. dissipated yeah. That's into. Right. It has been. Things. It was around like, and it was around for a long time. Hmm. I think much like more recent than you think. I always, when I hear the word like empire, I always assume like, oh, that was like way back, you know, mm. way like before medieval times, like we had empires, you know, like back in BC times and early AD, like that's when empires were a thing, but nope. it didn't really, I don't know. Literally until <laughs> World War One. Man. So, yeah. So after that, then, um, there were diplomatic efforts of Venizelos and, uh, Greece secured Western Thrace in the Treaty of New, New, Newly in November 1919 and Eastern Thrace in, and a zone around Smyrna in Western Anatolia already under Greek administration as the occupation of Izmir since May 1919 in the Treaty of Z- Severus in August 1920 
The future of Constantinople was left to be determined. But at the same time, a Turkish national movement rose in Turkey, led by Mustafa Kemal, who set up a rival government in Ankara and was engaged in fighting the Greek army. So, yeah, then they went ahead and uh, fought the Greeks, and the Greek army evacuated not only to Anatolia, but also eastern Thrace and the islands of Imbros and Tenedos, in accordance with the terms of the Treaty of Lausanne. A population exchange between Greece and Turkey was agreed between the two countries. What? With over 1.5 million Christians and almost half a million Muslims being uprooted. Wait, why? This did catastrophe they do that? marked the end of the Magali idea and left Greece financially exhausted, demoralized, and having to house and feed a proportionately huge number of Greek refugees. So. Greek refugees being from Greece. A population exchange? That seems like a very odd way to end a war. I guess the problem was that they had been together for so long that the Greek people and the Turkish people ultimately just kind of like, there was a lot of exchange between those two countries. (laughs) Now, I don't know why that has to be the, like, it's weird that the land boundaries didn't change, but the people did. Like, they didn't exchange the land. They didn't care about the land. It was all about the ideologies. Did the the people have a choice? Was it like, all right, you have a choice between Greece or Turkey. Everybody make the pick and go there. Um, Based on the term uprooted, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say (laughs) no. (laughs) They were just like, they were just told you're going. Trail of Tears style. Here's who's going where. Like, that's happening. Well, there is a link to population exchange between Greece and Turkey. We gotta go so, there, man. That, <laughs> that's weird. That's weird as all get out. That's that's not a normal thing that happens. Not a normal thing. It's a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. Okay, the 1923 population exchange between Greece and Turkey stemmed from the Convention Concerning the Exchange of Greece, Greek and Turkish populations. Well, there you go, Eric. You just don't have conventions about that kind of thing, and you won't exchange millions of people uh, from country to go. country. That was their mistake. They That's really, the key. Those, those conventions, you yeah. gotta keep them. They shouldn't have had that convention in no. the first place. No, I mean, I don't know where you have a convention where you have three million people, but that's <laughs> that'd be some pretty impressive convention center, you know? <laughs> um, signed in Lausanne, Switzerland, was that convention on the 30th of January of 1923. Uh, obviously by the governments of both Greece and Turkey. It involves approximately 2 million people, around 1.2 Greeks from Asia Minor, Eastern Thrace, Trabzon, and the Pontic Alps, as well as the Kos, uh, and 400,000 Muslims in Greece, most of whom were forcibly made refugees <laughs> and de jure natural- denaturalized from uh, their homelands. By the end of 1922, the vast majority of native Asia Minor Greeks had fled the recent Greek genocide. Oh, well, that might be why um, they needed to take some people in. And uh, Greece's later defeat in the Greco-Turkish War. Oh, they lost? According to some oh. calculations, uh, during the autumn of 1922, around 900,000 Greeks had arrived in Greece. 
according to... Well, I mean, that's so odd. Greeks arrived in Greece. Like, okay. Like, yes, they may have. It, it, like, looking at that now, that's so odd. It's like, yes, and... That's where they should have gone. Isn't it? <laughs> like, isn't that where they're from? Like, isn't that where they're supposed to? They just, weren't they going to go anyway? <laughs> or are they just coming home for the weekend? I don't know. Well, like, where, where, where have they been? I still yeah. don't understand where they coming were. Home from vacation. That's uh, Greek refugees. A third of were from Eastern Thrace, and the others were for other two thirds were from Asia Minor. The population exchange was envisioned by Turkey as a way to formalize and make permanent the exodus of Greeks Oof. from Turkey, while that initiating sound good. no, it does not <laughs> a new exodus of a new exodus. You want to do another one <laughs> of smaller yeah, numbers? Even the Bible only had one exodus. <laughs> I know. Now there's two. Just in this, just in these two countries, uh, a smaller number of Muslims from Greece to supply uh, settlers for occupying the newly depopulated regions of Turkey. While Greece saw it as a way to supply its masses of new propertyless Greek refugees from Turkey with no land with lands to settle from the exchanged Muslims of Greece, the major compulsory population exchange or agreed mutual expulsion was based not on language or ethnicity but upon religious identity, which is a real weird route to go, <laughs> and involved nearly all of the Orthodox Christians uh, in Turkey and in, including its natives. Turkish-speaking Orthodox citizens. What? <laughs> and most of the Muslim citizens of Greece, including its native Greek-speaking Muslim citizens. So, okay. So, that is so wait. stupid. So, oh, my God. Basically, all of the Christians in Turkey were, like, sent to Greece, and all of the Muslims in Greece were sent to Turkey. That's right. And it didn't matter where they were born or even what culture they were raised in. Or what in. language they speak. Yeah. They like were just they like, have all been, right, you're going here, and you're gonna like it. If they were a <laughs> if they were a Greek person from a traditionally and historically ethnically Greek family, if they decided to be, if they decided to convert convert to Islam, they ended up in Turkey at this point <laughs> in history. That's all I can figure. Like, that's so weird that they a would have a good enough idea of what everybody's religion was at this point right. in history. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> they have to get a real good survey. Yeah. And who would be like, hey, you might lose all your land in this transaction. Want to tell us what religion, what religion you're with? <laughs> I guess you were just kind of like, if you were asked, I guess you were just kind of like rolling the dice at that point, being yeah. like, I uh, hope I don't say the wrong one. <laughs> hope I don't have the improper religious garb on today. Yeah. Huh. That's, this is such a bad idea. It just really is. Everywhere. Okay, what are these documents over here showing us? Something I can't understand. It's are they in, in uh, Greek? They're not. Uh, yeah, they're in a they're different language. they're in French, I'm pretty sure, is what these are. Oh, yeah. That is French. Uh, 1914 documents showing the official figures from the 1914 population census of the Ottoman Empire, the total population. Some of all the millets was given at 20 million, and the Greek population was given at a little less than 2 million. So wait. So Turkey um, has like 20 million people. Greece has like barely anybody. <laughs> and they took in like basically half their population. They're a 1.7 million person nation taking in 900,000 Greek refugees? <laughs> Are you kidding? So you're talking you're saying that like wow. You think this is a good idea? To, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is a mutual exchange here. 
This was like, this wasn't like Greece was like, oh man, we got to do this thing. Right. They were like, all right, yeah, this seems agreeable. Huh. Oddly, the Greek-Turkish population exchange was a result of the Turkish War of Independence. <laughs> which I didn't see coming at all. I thought Turkey was already doing its own so, thing. So wait. What was did, left? Okay, so... What Ottoman Empire <laughs> fought the war? So, wait, did the Ottoman Empire fall, become, you know, part of it become Turkey, and then Greece owned Turkey, maybe? And then Turkey was like, hey, we want our independence, too, and fought back against Greece? Which doesn't make sense, though, because, like, Greece would be a two million person nation conquering and ruling a 20 million person nation. <laughs> well, How did that even just, happen? They would have just won it out of the war. Oh, uh, uh, they would have just maybe that's it. been given they were the, handed they were the spoilers. this yeah. whole thing. But uh, maybe after that, maybe then the uh, Muslim population in Turkey was going to rise up and overtake Turkey for their independence and become their own nation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then I guess a smaller population <laughs> rise up and just, <laughs> take it just wipe it out. And then just eventually it just comes down to one family's like, you know what? We want our independence. <laughs> that just keeps whittling it down more and more. <laughs> so eventually you end up with Luxembourg um, somehow. That's just the Turkish War of Independence. So when was that? Was that during World War One? Well, I guess that would have had to be after, Wait, right? It would have had to be after World War One, but but what would they have been rebelling against? Because Turkey was part of the Ottoman Empire, which was already taken away. So it was carved up. Well, well, where was Wait. Turkey? Wasn't Turkey already <laughs> just like de facto Turkey because World War One? Turkey was literally like a country for like a year after World War One, like, like. They became a country after World War One, and then immediately sought their independence. But they were, but they were independent. But they were already, yeah, they would have already been independent. Do we have to as go far to the, as I know, do we just need to stop right here and just go to the Turkish War of Independence? I think we have to, because I'm still not getting something. There's something missing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something wrong with this timeline of events here. Okay. All right. All right. So let's look at the Turkish War of Independence. Um. All right. So this was May 1919 through July 24th, 1923, and it so was that's okay. <laughs> to clarify, that's like the end of World War One, right? Yeah. Well, in the before, it was saying that Greece had got all those countries or whatever in 1918. Okay. So that was the end of World War One. Right. So then, this was literally like less than a year because that was November 1918 that Greece that Greece That's started the end getting of World all their War stuff. I. That's 11, 11, 11. So the, the Veterans Day, you know, right. Armistice Day. That's the end of World War One. So yeah, so November. So that's um, the end of World War One. So then May comes around, and then Turkey is like, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna go to war again. Um, and it was fought between the Turkish national movement and the proxies of the allies, namely Greece on the Western Front, no. Armenia on the Eastern, oh, France no. on the Southern, and with them, the United Kingdom and Italy in Constantinople, now Istanbul. 
After parts of the Ottoman Empire were occupied and partitioned following the Ottomans' defeat in World War I, um, and few of the occupying British, French, and Italian troops had been deployed or engaged in combat. So this is essentially like World War One Part Two. Mm-hmm. This is World War One, like one point one. Yeah. <laughs> like we're getting the two, but this isn't the full release yet. So here's like a little yeah. filler filler war for you. We'll ya. just fix some of the bugs and yeah. try it again. But yeah, Greece was involved in this, and I guess maybe this just kind of. Maybe France and Britain just kind of dropped out and Greece was left alone to fight against them and kind of turned into the Greece and Turkey war. It seems like this is, like, this is the missing time frame. Yeah. That's what we were looking at before. So the Turkish national movement in Anatolia culminated in the formation of a new Grand National Assembly by Mustafa Kemal Ataturk and Ataturk. his colleagues. I know that name from a food show. <laughs> no, seriously, there was a there's a food show I was watching. Uh, some sort of exotic eats. Like the guy goes to another uh, country and deliberately eats like the weirdest food he can find there. That's like mm-hmm. the most traditional amongst his people. When he goes to Turkey, there's a there's a bust of uh, that Mustafa guy of Ataturk. Oh. Yeah, there's wow, a, in like, the cafe. Guy. Like they actually like remember him like huh. fondly and like he's kind of. He's not like as prominent as like Mao would be in China, but it's similar. Right. You know, it's a he's a very prominent hmm. figure in modern modern Turkey. So this is like a positive event in in Turkish. their from there from where they're at, yeah. So after the end of the Turkish Armenian Franco Turkish Greco Turkish fronts, often referred to as the Eastern Front, the Southern Front, and the Western Front of the war, respectively. That's every front. <laughs> You, yeah, you, the they north. Just, they got the north down. Yeah, everything else, no. it's it's messed up. <laughs> uh, the Treaty of Severus was abandoned, and the treaties of Kars and Lausanne were Lausanne were signed. The Allies left Anatolia and Eastern Thrace, and the Grand National Assembly of Turkey decided on the establishment of a Republic of Tur- in Turkey which was declared on October 29th, 1923. With the establishment of the Turkish National Movement, the partitioning of the Ottoman Empire, and the abolition of the Sultanate, the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman era and the empire came to an end. And with Ataturk's reforms, the Turks created the modern secular nation-state of Turkey on the political front on March 3rd, 1924, the Ottoman Caliphate was officially abolished and the last caliph was exiled. Wow, so the Ottomans fought in World War One. They lost in World War One, but it took until 1924, even after the Allies had carved them all up and occupied their capital, for them to finally actually <laughs> fall. And how they fell was at the hands of the people in the nation that they were from. <laughs> that, to me, shows why we should never have even gotten close to the Middle East. <laughs> should have never touched it. What was yeah. wrong with us that we thought that something that confusing was okay to like be like, yeah, we want some of that. Like, no. <laughs> Was, what's the matter with with our nation? Um, we had a we had a past. We could have been the good guys, gone in, <laughs> saved Great Britain, gotten out of Europe, but no, had to mess everything up. <laughs> had to be part of the party. Yeah. 
Well, down here we have list. We have either chronology of the Turkish War of Independence, which might help us. That probably would. <laughs> list of modern conflicts in the Middle East. That's going to be way too many. Yeah, that, that, that might. Uh, <laughs> That's heavy. That might. <laughs> that may need a whole yeah, other episode. That's true. I think yeah, the chronology of the Turkish War of Independence might help us out here. Yeah, let's let's and let's bounce to uh, that for sure. So maybe the Greek and Turkey War was like kind of a side conflict. It was one yeah, of the maybe, fronts. Maybe that of that, that was like Turkish War the for Greece side of the thing. Like Which maybe that's been the what, Eastern one, Western, Western, Western. Front. Yeah. The Western Front. So like, yeah, maybe maybe it was like from our end, we're like fighting the Revolutionary War. But from the Britain side, it's like, hey, the insurgent war or whatever. I don't know what they call it. Maybe they also call it the Revolutionary War. But, like, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, two different sides would call it different things, you know? Do you remember uh, also, before we click on the chronology link, I want to make note that in the see also section down here, there's a couple of different genocides that I guess Turkey went on a rampage and just did all three. <laughs> um, the Armenian, Greek, and Assyrian genocide. We already know the Turkey's turkeys the turkish <laughs> are we already guilty. know about those turkeys <laughs> we already know those jive turkeys <laughs> killed every greek person but uh also the armenian genocide i remember uh uh that being an issue recently because like system mm. of a down was was doing a yeah. uh, concert to like because they were trying to be they were trying to get modern turkey to acknowledge the fact that it made the armenian genocide <laughs> happen or something along those lines like everybody huh. else in the world's like yeah that it, it basically turkey was Nazi Germany in World War One. Mm. They did genocides a la Germany does in <laughs> World War Two. And they also have many deniers of it a uh. la what Germany does. So um it, it, it's kind of interesting to see it's kind of interesting to see that Turkey did that too. Um, yeah. You don't you don't really hear much about that. They, well yeah, I mean the Armenian I mean you don't hear much about Armenia. Yeah. What, where's Armenia? Yeah. Find it on the map. I mean, you don't hear much about Turkey unless it's on a sub. That's 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 also true. But then it's a great conversation starter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you know this meat? It's also a country. <laughs> Remember how they used to be an empire? Remember how they started a world war? Remember that was a really dumb idea because they didn't have any economic power at the time. <sighs> yeah. I'm gonna eat the sandwich now. <laughs> Okay, so we're doing chronology, right? All right, yeah, let's do chronology. Chronology. The chronology of the Turkish War of Independence is a timeline of events during the Turkish War of Independence. Good. <laughs> Glad we had that sentence. <laughs> the timeline also... <laughs> the name of the article. <laughs> the timeline also includes the background events. Starting with the end of the First World War. Okay, this would have helped from the get-go. This article is kind of yeah, like the Cliff's Notes of what everything we went through and figured out on our own. Uh, the events are classified according to the campaigns and parties involved. But these are declassified accounts of the events <laughs> in the order in which they happen. Pictures are included for significant events. But I can't read you pictures, so <laughs> sorry. Okay. So there's a little explanation as to, like, uh, every, everything's color-coded as yeah. to who it involves. Yeah, we got the members involved are the Turkish revolutionaries, Mustafa Kemal, Ottoman Empire, Britain, Greece, Armenia, France, and Italy. 
So, okay, okay, this already explains a lot because um, the main article beside each of these, um, under Greece, we have Greco-Turkish War. Mm-hmm. Under Armenia, we have Turkish-Armenian War. Mm-hmm. And under France, we have Franco-Turkish War. Mm-hmm. So, basically, Turkey just started a war with each individual country. Except Britain. Britain, they just <laughs> had a, they had a Chanic crisis. A crisis. The, a crisis the, of the They Chanics. only incited a crisis there. Yep. Just, that was it. In Italy, eh, <laughs> Maybe they were around. just a little too far away. I guess so. But, Although uh, it doesn't make sense because Britain and France are there, but... True. And if they can move Constantinople from Rome, <laughs> you would think they could move a war from... But whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. So... So they started one war at a time. They didn't just be like, all right, everybody, we're coming after all y'all. Okay. They're just like one country at a time. We're going after Greece. We're going after Armenia. We're going after Mm -hmm. France. Or maybe like somebody started attacking them. And then, but it was one war at a time with these people. I was going to say, because like before it didn't make much sense. Yeah. It seemed like it would be too much for one nation that has just recently been defeated and also made (laughs) to handle. And dissipated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they, they were defeated and dissipated, and yet they were still fighting four different wars at the same time? Uh-uh. No. Um, yeah. So, 1918, we get the uh, October 30th, the signing of Armistice of Mudros. Um, and the next day, we get Mustafa Kemal Pasha takes over command of the Yildir- Yildirim Army Group. Of the Syrian front from Otto Lehman von Sanders. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Okay, that's an um, oddly <laughs> that's an oddly Western name just thrown in the mix. And then November seventh, we get British troops occupy Mosul. Or Mosul. Oh, okay. Mosul. Musul. Musul. Musinex. Musinex. Yes. <laughs> Lovely drug that. Um. Then, let's see. Grand Vizier Jafar, (laughs) or Ahmed, is at Pasha, and his (laughs) government resigned, which is... Wow, whole government resigned. In the Ottoman Empire. That's the Ottoman Empire resigning, yeah. Huh. Grand Vizier. No wonder Jafar was a villain. (laughs) Oh, I guess this would... That would have been uh, the end of World War I. Right, because that's them surrendering. Yeah, this is that whole thing, yeah. Um... Except got, sort of not, <laughs> because the next thing is a new Ottoman government is formed under the Grand Vizier Ahmed wow. Tefik Pasha. So they went from one Pasha to another Pasha. They Pasha did on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then a couple days later, Ottoman troops withdraw from Baku, which will be occupied by British troops in the following days, and also evacuate... Mosul, occupied by the British after the armistice. And then the next couple days, Ottoman troops withdraw from Tabriz. So they're really pulling their troops back and like, all right, we're not really doing so well here. Um, then... Uh, it's weird that they're still retreating troops, though, after the war is over. Like, <laughs> World War War, <laughs> World War One, definitively over, yep. like, two weeks ago. And yet they're still just like... I, guess I we think should. we still got a shot. <laughs> like, what? You already signed a treaty. Yeah, but, you know. Your government resigned. 
Did it? Did it? Did it? Or did we just kind of get a new one? Hmm? What is government, really? <laughs> uh, what turkeys, these people? <laughs> but then uh, in December, we got British troops o- based in Syria occupy Kilis. Then French troops occupy At- Atakia and Takia. Um, and we got a lot of more occupying and... So, okay, so World War One is still over, but it's still going on. Mm, uh. So, like, they're still occupying places and stuff. Um, 1919, January 22nd, Ottoman troops with start withdrawing from Batum. So they're still, still going. I thought the war was... wasn't the whole point to defeat these guys <laughs> so if they're still fighting did you did you just say you won <laughs> I feel like they just said they won but they didn't actually win yeah and okay so then we get Greek uh, Greece starting to get into the picture here we got the Greek Navy in 1919 April 12th um, they're starting to do stuff okay let's see when Okay, May 19th, 1919 is when the official start of the Turkish War of Independence started. Okay, so that kind of is starting to make sense with me that um, the Ottoman Empire is still a thing and they're trying to keep this war going even though it's over. And Turkey is like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I want out of this. That makes sense. You know, like that's that that seems to be what's happening here. Now the odd part is how Turkey doesn't have. Uh, uh, okay, so Turkey is the red, and then the Ottomans are the green. That's why they're broken up into those two different right. categories. That way, you can see when the green starts getting some some pushback from the red. Yeah, so May 19th, 1919 is when Mustafa Kemal Pasha sets foot in Samsung. They just wanted a new phone, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Samsung. Uh, They sold the G. They're just Samsung now. um, Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot going on, like... Every day there's more occupying and stuff, but first comes the Franco-Turkish War. It looks like, yeah, it's a lot of blue going on there. right there. Yeah, there's a, there is a lot of blue. Or wait, is blue? Blue's France, right? Is it? I thought. Well, there's a blue for France and there's a blue for Greece. Oh shoot, blue's Greece. That- blue's Greece. It's the Greece one. You're right. Okay. You're right. Greece is the word. Oh yeah, there's like. There, yeah, there's a darker, maybe darker one for France. Yeah, France is a the slightly darker, darker, slightly right? darker. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of Greece movement in early 1919, and then later we start to get the French stuff in the October and November. Um, we start to get French. And that's probably the French War. And let's see, what color is Armenia? They are orange. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of the Greece. And then 
Uh, yeah, and then we get right into French, and then I guess we get Armenian a little bit kind later. Of, uh, they're, they're smaller, so... There's not a whole lot of Armenian... Like, they're in there, but things. I guess Turkey just kind of must have... Steamrolled them. Steamrolled them pretty <laughs> fast. Oh, wow. Towards the end here... Man, if you look at 1922 in uh, August or September, yeah, Turkish troops recapture tons of places. So that's all against Greece, right? That's what that, that blue would, is? Yeah, that blue is Greece, so they would have recaptured oh, all that. So, yeah, they're... Uh, oh, yeah, and then uh, late 1921, French troops are evacuating towns. And in ni- early 1922, so yeah, so French troops are like, you know what, we're getting out of this thing. And then Tur- Turkey starts to recapture a lot of places. And then finally, in 1922, November 1st, there's the abolition of Ottoman Sultanate. What were they doing for the past, like, two years? <laughs> Seriously, they were, they were active until yeah. 1920, and then since then... Not a pr- not a peep. Yep. What have they been doing? What was Turkey doing? <laughs> and then, uh, yep, in January they started the population exchange, and then in October of that same year they was the proclamation of the Republic of Turkey. So, whoa! All right! Wow! Okay, so. January 13th, 2006, Turkish veteran of the war, Private Omer Kuyuk, dies at age 106. And that isn't all, folks. March 25th, 2007, Turkish veteran of the war, Private Vaisel Turan, dies at age 108. And that isn't all, folks. April 2nd, 2008. Turkish veteran of the war and last Turkish veteran of World War One, Sergeant Yakup Satar, dies at age 110 years old. That's crazy. That's absolutely three of these people involved in this war lived well over a hundred years old. Yep. Like well over a hundred years old. Like a whole other decade <laughs> like, over a hundred years old. Like that is insane. Really makes you wonder whether stress has a toll on some people or not. <laughs> it's like it, it should. Like being through a war shouldn't be like, yep, gonna live a long, healthy life now. I'm not gonna have PTSD <laughs> at all. Haha. And then living 110 years though, that really doesn't indicate that you were even phased by it. Like yeah, that's what? like you know what? This is my happy place. Which is <laughs> <laughs> just like. Wait, what? Yeah. War is? Okay, bud. Wow. Man. Finally, 1923, that, that's when they finally have the last Allied troops depart from Istanbul and the first Turkish troops depart, enter Istanbul. I can't... So basically, World War One was going on until 1923. Right, yeah. They, they, yeah they who had... surrendered? Because <laughs> the, the Sultanate wasn't even done until 1922. Yeah. Who... What the hell? 
I don't know. Maybe this I, is why we occupied Germany for like 50 years after World War yeah, II. Yeah, we're just like, like you know what? This is not happening again. We're just <laughs> going to put a kibosh on all yeah, this. Yeah, just, just, just hold the line. Just hold the line. It'll be better. I know it's going to seem a little more barbaric up front, but like the last time we did this, three other nations got genocided. We stay here. We stay here. <laughs> this is not happening the second time. We've learned from our mistakes. Kind of. Sort of. Still millions of people have died, but... But but this time we're not going to continue... After everything is over. Yeah. That... What the... What As, the... Yeah. Who? What the... What? <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Uh, so, there you have it. From... Pelagia of Tinos to timeline of the Turkish War of Independence. So, uh, go ahead and visit us on Facebook. And you know what? This time we're gonna say, don't rate us on iTunes. We don't want your rating. <laughs> we're good enough where we are with the two ratings. Polar opposite, a one and a five. A one That's, and a five. We have a one and a five. That's what we're sitting at right now. Just stick to three. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Put her ahead. yeah, we're, we're good. We, we're we don't need any more ratings on iTunes. Yeah, we're fine. We don't need your stinking ratings. Uh, and uh, we also have our website, twc.eric2rubio.com. And uh, I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and the Boswell Sisters for our outro song. So, thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. I was John. And this was the Lucopedia Chronicles. I feel like I really wouldn't have wanted to take like a World War One class in high school. Yeah. That would have been really, really difficult. See, now that I don't have the pressure of having to write essays or be graded on it, <laughs> learning about it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, now it's genuinely fascinating because I don't have to feel terrible about whether or not I actually know things. Yeah. 